This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. DARPA seeks workarounds to Moore's Law. And Tianha 2 gets its upgrade. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC. The big news is a new program from DARPA, and they've invested in HPC before, but now the new program is, is really looking to inject life into technologies that can bring us advancements beyond the end of Moore's Law. Yeah, this is a little bit more general purpose than just HPC, but they're certainly looking at the performance end of the uh, of the market here. Um, yeah, this program actually started back earlier this year. They, they allocated some money for it, and this past week, actually last week, they injected 75 more million dollars into this to add some more programs, and uh, there's now six programs or initiatives under this under this thing called the Electronics Resurgence Initiative. It's that's the sort of umbrella program and there's six sub programs under that. And I talked about two in the article this week in Top Five Hundred News. And basically they are they are different sorts of workarounds to the end of Moore's law. They're trying to do things with the semiconductor technology or in some case around the semiconductor technology to be able to scale electronics at the most fundamental level um, after sort of we stop shrinking the transistors themselves. DARPA is, of course, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency under the United States Department of Defense. And I want to come back around to that and set a little context around DARPA investments in HPC. But before we go there, there's six programs underneath this single initiative which it, you kind of looked at those in your article on top500.org. Which are the ones that you think are the most related to HPC? Well, the ones that are most related to HPC are under the materials and integration uh, area of this program. And that has two programs underneath. And it's also the one that sort of more directly addresses scalability or semiconductor scalability. And that, that is the 3D system on a chip program, which basically is, is self-explanatory. That's research into 3D type chips. And that's something called the foundations required for novel compute programs, something called Frank. Um, that's looking at non-von Neumann type architectures in a way to use memory and logic in, in sort of new ways that uh, haven't been done with uh, traditional computing. Those things are oriented towards definitely sort of the performance end of, of semiconductors, but also just uh, sort of attacking Moore's law scalability in a, from a different uh, perspective. You know, it, it's funny looking at these things. I think they, they show promise, and I'm in favor of this kind of development in general, but I'm a little skeptical of DARPA investment here. Do we think that these are technologies that the free market wasn't going to design anyway? Yeah, I mean, that's always a good question, especially when you look at the 3D SOC program. Obviously, there's 3D chips being built as we speak and being delivered to the market as well. I mean, there's we've talked about the high bandwidth memory and the, and the memory cube that's already done. I mean, those are memory technologies. Uh, this is broader than that. But there's obviously commercial work in this area. And, yeah, the question here, I would think, would be um, – what would happen to these this development if they didn't have this money? And same thing for the the Frank program. I mean, non von Neumann architectures aren't 
in the market now, but you know we know about Micron has produced a, a version of a of an architecture there, and I think there's other uh, vendors working on it as well. I mean, the idea here is to is to push some things like this forward with extra government money and maybe to make them commercially viable, whereas they might not have been commercially viable just on their own. But that's always a bet that the, that the DoD and the government in general uh, uses to to invest in these sort of technologies. Well, you know, the Department of Defense and DARPA specifically has a history of making these kinds of bets and investments, and some of them pay out into things that are huge. The most famous example of which is the Internet, which started as ARPANET, right? And and right. I think, you know, that's the Internet is apparently still a thing that people use, right? That's That's been a pretty big one. But with regards to... You know, these very specific chips, it's it's hard to catch lightning in a bottle like that multiple times where you have something that, you know, there's not enough of a commercial demand for it for the market to design it on its own. But, you know, if the government gives it a little bit of a push and gets it out there, then suddenly there is a huge market for it. And the reason I'm showing skepticism here in particular is because with regards to high performance computing and in specific, I think that the one area where we're not showing a lack right now is in processor architectures. This is something that uh, Intersect 360 Research has done whole studies on, the diversity of processor architectures that are out there in the market, and it's already very difficult for the end-user community to decide where to place their bets on development and application optimization for all of these different architectures for their next generations of HPC acquisitions and putting more things into the mix. I don't think that's really addressing the the primary concern that's out there, which I think the bigger concern is software, not not more chip architectures. Yeah, and in fact, this program actually doesn't specifically, uh, as far as I know, the uh, certainly of the of the greater six, but certainly the two I talked about uh, more specifically, they don't really pick any favorites as far as architectures. These are a little more fundamental than that. I mean, 3D is 3D. It's not a specific ARM or Intel or or power architecture. Um, it's it's something that all of those architectures and all those vendors that back them could use, presumably, if, if some of these technologies become more commercially viable. Um, so in that sense, um, I, I think DARP, in a sense, is not trying to pick winners and losers here. It's just trying to move some of the fundamental technologies behind these forward. But um, when you look at the other program, the Frank program, they are going to look at more, um, in the sense, non-von Neumann architectures. They're going to have to pick uh, some research organizations or vendors that uh, that are going to try and do this work. And in that sense, they will pick an, uh, one or more architectures that, that will come out of this. They're going to build the uh, a prototype as one of the deliverables for that. So, yeah, there's always that um, uh, threat that they're going to pick the wrong architecture that's not going to become commercially viable and, and back the wrong horse. But, again, this is what the government does, and it has to place these bets, and sometimes it's it's going to lose, but we'll, we'll see who they pick. The actual proposals for this uh, is just are just being developed now, and they're going to probably pick um, the funding uh the the vendor funding sometime probably later this year the money uh which i think totals about over 200 million dollars 216 million i believe is going to be spent in the um 
fiscal year 2018, so they're probably going to get these uh, these announcements out pretty quickly from, from now until the end of the year. And this is actually the, the second time that we've heard from DARPA relatively recently. We had an announcement in June, and we did an episode of This Week in HPC on June 14th, where we talked about DARPA funding a project uh, with Intel to do uh, a graph analytics chip, essentially. That was under the hierarchical identify, verify, exploit, or Hive program under DARPA with Intel to get uh, $100 million over a four-and-a-half-year project to design a graph analytics chip. So that's two announcements roughly three months apart. Now, before that, we hadn't heard from DARPA a lot recently, and I kind of attribute that to just the difference in U.S. administrations that, you know, under the Obama administration, there was a little more money available under general research and things that get predominantly funded out of the DOE. And now under the uh, Trump administration, things get a little more defense aligned. We start seeing some more uh, DOD funded projects going to HPC. And I, I think this has been a game that's played out over time. Notably before that, I think the the biggest thing that we heard from from uh, out of DARPA before that would go all the way back to 2010 when they announced the ubiquitous HPC program. Remember that one? Yeah, that that funded projects at Intel and Nvidia. Intel had the Runnymede architecture that was going to uh, to do ubiquitous HPC. Nvidia had a project, and those systems. We went back and looked before this program. They're slated to come out in in 2018, according to the original timeline. So it might be time to go back and check in with uh, DARPA and Intel and Nvidia and see where our ubiquitous HPC is and if that's on track. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That was announced, yeah, rather far back, and so it was a long-term program, and you haven't heard anything about it. At least I haven't heard anything about it since then. So uh, we'll have to circle back around and catch up with those. I mean, some of these things, DARPA obviously had, has a lot of its uh, fingers in different pies here, and some of these turn out, and some of these sort of just fall by the wayside. Nobody hears from them again. Um, hopefully this one announced uh, – or this one being developed this year won't be that. I think actually these are important technologies to support, and I'm, and I'm not sure that the vendors would go in certain directions with it, especially with when you think about the non-von Neumann architectures. Um, there seems like there would be very little commercial uh, draw for such a, a system, especially without a software ecosystem around it. So to push technologies like that uh, I, I think is well within the purview of of what a government uh, should be funding. It's it's very basic research in a sense, um, and there are people that are adept at doing that, but there's probably not a lot of commercial backing to those programs that these companies probably aren't getting a lot of money, and this might inject something, and maybe that bet uh, will pay off. So it'll be interesting to see who they pick for that. Uh, or who are maybe multiple picks for that uh, that particular program, but uh, uh, that should be some interesting work, whatever it turns out to be. Yeah, that I can see. I, I was just questioning whether that you know of the next couple hundred million dollars I spent, whether I would spend it on a new chip or go back around and look at things like math libraries and parallel programming models for the chips that we already have. But you know, as you said, we'll be able to follow this program and see. I like going back and checking in on these long-range programs after the fact and seeing what they actually produced. Speaking of projects that.
that get upgraded, uh, Michael, uh, just a, one more quick story this week in HPC. We've got the Tianhe 2 upgrade now pending in China. This was going to get upgraded previously with Intel chips that eventually got embargoed, but now we've got a new Chinese-developed chip that's going to uh, eventually fulfill this upgrade. Right. I guess this was announced at the International HPC Forum in China uh, this past week. And uh, from tweets from Satoshi Matsuko and, and others, we got a pretty good idea of, of what they announced. So the people building uh, the Tianha 2A will be putting uh, these Chinese-made Matrix 2000 accelerators in that, basically to replace the, the current version of the Xeon 5s in there, the uh, the older ones, they, they like you said, they couldn't get the Knight's Corner Xeon 5s because those were embargoed. So they re- basically replaced these with their homegrown, what are essentially general purpose uh, DSP accelerators. And they're going to put those in. And you, doing that, they're going to almost double the the performance, or at least the peak performance of the Tianha 2. And they're going to bring it from uh, 54.9 petaflops all the way up to uh, very close to 95 petaflops with these uh, new accelerators. So it's a big jump for them. They're still going to be in the, the number two slot on the top 500 because they're not going to be bigger than the uh, the current Tiahu light system, but it's a big jump for them and a very interesting development because they're going to have these these first, basically first use of these new Chinese-made accelerators and they'll be able to play around with those for all sorts of HPC applications. Yeah, interesting that we can double the peak performance of the number two system in the world and still have it sitting there comfortably right at number two. That's going to be uh, interesting. And that's behind, of course, the Sunway Taihu light system, uh, which is also in China. The interesting effect here of the embargo of the U.S. chip technologies into these Chinese national supercomputer sites is that, if anything, the effect in in a pretty near term was that it accelerated the Chinese own uh, chip development efforts, where we now have custom processors from China in both of those systems. The the, uh, Sunway system, they've already announced that that's going to be commercialized in miniature for other people to... Uh, to purchase. That was announced at the ISC conference, of course. And then these Matrix 2000 processors, can we assume that other people are going to be able to buy those as well? I don't think they talked about that in any detail on, on the availability of those processors. I'm, I'm assuming the developers will at some point be encouraged to do that, but I'm not sure what, if that's going to happen. I mean, this is basically the first uh, deployment, so they're going to see how they work out. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is this is sort of the whole idea behind having a domestic uh, chip industry. You develop these for certain specialized applications, and then you can generalize them uh, gradually for uh, more more uh, commercial applications and more general use. But we'll see how this goes forward. I mean, obviously, they've done a lot of work to do this. They've got uh, they've started to build a software ecosystem around these accelerators already. They've talked about OpenMP and OpenCL for these new Matrix 2000 chips. So they did that work as well. Um, so, yeah, potentially these could be general purpose accelerators that uh, even go beyond uh, these specialized supercomputers. 
Yeah, it, and another interesting thing, by the way, is the we're starting to see more of a proliferation of HPC-specific conferences in China. I was sad that I wasn't able to attend this one, this International HPC Forum 2017 in Guangzhou. I was just in China recently uh, for the Huawei Connect conference, of course, and now we're looking at HPC China and the HPC Advisory Council coming up. There have been other conferences for Asia announced for next year, so this has been a, a high area for growth that we're going to keep watching. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we've been following China very closely and uh, they're very active in this uh, in HPC now and they've got aspirations that are as big as any any nation in the in the world. So uh, it's not surprising to see some of these conferences uh, move there and get some nice, uh, nice press and some uh, big name uh, presentations there as well. And speaking of HPC Advisory Council, next week there will be an HPC Advisory Council meeting in Santiago de Compostela, Spain. You can find information about that on the HPC Advisory Council website, hpcadvisorycouncil.com. I'm sad that I won't be able to be at that one, uh, but we'll be uh, looking for some interesting news coming out of that event as well. And I think there's going to be some other interesting news next week that uh, we know about and we're following. But uh, until then, we'll get to that uh, in order. It's the fall season heating up, Michael. So I appreciate you uh, filling in with the stories. And uh, thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.